the gospel. Amen. Sharing the gospel. I met with a pastor the week prior on Wednesday and simply asked him a question. When was the last time you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone? Come on now. Last time you shared the good news of Jesus. You pondered for a while. Thought a little longer. You said, by the time, if I be honest, it's been a while. Hmm. Since I've shared the good news with anyone. Think about, think about how critical this is. You can go out on the streets or even in a church and ask people, what is your greatest need? What do you need most right now? Some would say, I need a job. Or, I need a, a better paying job. Some would say, man, I just need a, a companion because, man, it's, uh, a sister and a brother gets lonely every once in a while. So I'm looking for a companion. Some would say, man, I just, man, I just know my family is kind of, they're kind of in disarray. That kind of thing dysfunctional. So I think I appreciate that we just have some peace in our family. And we ask these people, man, what is your greatest need? They seem to miss out what is your greatest need defined by the Bible. If the truth be told, the God of this age has blinded the mind of the greatest need for mankind. He's blinded their minds of seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ. And that's the real. I mean, that's that is not on people's top priority. That is Jesus. But may I suggest to you that we have the greatest message that can meet the greatest news, and that is this God came down from heaven to save souls. And he came down from heaven to save, rescue, and to satisfy everyone. We Christians, we sons and daughters who, who know God through Christ have not told or proclaimed the gospel, the greatest news, the good news, to anyone maybe. Even on the internet, Google is a friend. <laughs> That out of every hundred Christians, only 13% of Christians share their faith a week. I wonder, are we hanging around too many Christian bubbles? Hmm. Are we hanging around lost folk? Folk who needs to know the love and joy that is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I asked you, when the last time you shared your faith? Last week, I know uh, John, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee, got a bad rap grip. James, John, who we saw last week, was all in it for himself. Wanting the seat of glory, he asked Jesus, will you give me the seat of glory, the seat beside uh, uh, Jesus? Give me either Moses or Elijah. Either one, I'm, I'm good with, but give me a seat. That same John is the same is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John. <laughs> the same guy that wanted the saints of glory is now concerned about people to believe in Christ to be seen in glory. 
He's changed. It's not about me getting in. I'm writing this letter that others might give in now. And it's about it's not being it's not about being seated next to Jesus. The Bible says those who have believed in Christ are seated with Jesus. Amen. And that's his 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 motive, his motive, his 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 purpose of Christ. John clearly tells you the purpose of his writing in verse 31, 30 and 31 of John. He says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these, the miracles he wrote about, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. The Son of God, or God the Son, and that by believing you may have life. Thank you, Lord. In His name. In His name. Chelsea, if you really want to have or experience this unconditional love, this abundant joy, it's not in stuff, it's in a Savior. It's not in marriage, but in a, but in a Messiah. Not about being single men, but about the suffering servant who came, lived, died, and got up again. Come on now. To ensure your salvation. Somewhere along the line, our boy John died. It isn't asking the question, what's in it for me any longer? It's what can I write to? What can I say that people would believe in the name of the one who saves? I ask the question, how are you living your life? Are you living your life so that someone might see the glory of Christ through you and, and ask the question, man, who do you know? Who do you serve? What makes, why are you so different than us? What makes you respond differently, man? What makes you not so irritable when we know that person is irritable? What, 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 what prevents you from getting mad? The answer is Jesus. So, uh, so are we living our lives in such a way as John wrote, so that people might believe? Are we asking God to season our conversation with salt that when we speak, man, we edify? Come on now. Let me, let me tell you who he is and who he became. So 
himself. Listen to him. He's about to describe to you who God is in the audience of Jews. So watch He says, in the beginning was the word. Ah, and the word was with God. Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The word had the beginning. That before the beginning was, he was. He was in the beginning. Then he dropped up in case you don't know who he's talking about. Drop down to verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh. And this the one who was God, the one who was with God, the one who was before time, he actually dropped down from heaven and put on flesh. And he says this, and he dwelt, he tabernacled among us. That God, the, God, the, the creator of all, decided to drop down from heaven and to dwell amongst us. He put on human flesh, the Bible says, so that everyone who believes in him, why did he do it? Why did the word become flesh? Why did God become flesh? Only God could save God. Only God could save man. Man could save himself, but God himself saved us by becoming flesh for us. That those who believe, he says, in him. So we observe his glory, he says, the glory as the one and only son of the from the Father and full of grace. And then we have what has been called the most quoted and known text in the history of time, John 3.16. And John, this writes this, John 3.16. He says, for God loved the world in this way. If you want to know how God loved the world, if you ask, well, how did God love the world? John says, here it is. He gave his one and only son. If you ever doubt God's love for you, think that, that God sent God to save you. Come on now. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Christian sons and daughters of God, we possess the greatest message to meet the greatest need of people who don't know what they need. We possess it. We, we know him and it. But the question is, are we sharing the gospel? Some say, well, why? Okay, so was, why did God send God? Why did God the Father send God the Son that we that may be saved by God the Spirit? That's, that's a whole lot of God. <laughs> why did God do all of that? Peter says this man that, 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 that for Christ also suffered once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that we might be brought near to God. Listen, why? Listen to the heart of Christ. Why did God send God to save us by God? That we might be near to God, reconciled to God, able to worship and enjoy God. Now and forever. The fact that 
said, God, I said, God, just say to me, man, recalibrate your worship. I'm going to be in shock, man. God intentionally put on sin, like a skin, to save us. Thank you, Lord. This doctrine, this teaching is known as the incarnation. That God takes on flesh. It's a particular doctrine and teaching called the incarnation. Now, the Nicene Creed does a great job of kind of fleshing out what is the incarnation. What does the word incarnation, what all goes into that? Well, they did a great job of writing what it is and why it happened. It says this. The Lord Jesus Christ, so, uh, regarding the incarnation, it says, The Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before the worlds, God of gods, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, Come on now. being the Lord's substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us, Men, as for our salvation, came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the, vir of the Virgin Mary. And he was made man. God is so bad that he didn't need a man to produce a baby. He, Mary, became overcome by the Spirit. And then was and then she was then then Christ was inserted into her womb. But God caused God to be born through Mary, but God made Mary. That's right. But came from Mary to save Mary. Hallelujah. He was both the son of Mary and the creator of Mary at the same time. And not without the help of man, but by the doing. The incarnate of the Holy Spirit. So, so when it comes to sharing faith, this understanding the incarnation is critical. When you understand the benefit and what all happened, and this doctrine is robust, it's big, it's huge, and I can explain it in the next 20 minutes. But I'm going to try to give you some handouts. So when I'm sharing the gospel, what about the incarnation should I mention? What should I say? One writer said this. When it comes to that, that, he saw that this doctrine was so critical, he wrote this. People need to know what the incarnation of God is. This one doctrine must become central because it not only tells exactly what God is like, but also shows us how being a life we get to live in God because of God. He continues. The incarnation, therefore, isn't about an equation, but about remembering what home used to be like and taking a plan to get back to her and allow us once again to worship and enjoy God both now and forever. Amen. God sent God to get us back to a spiritual place that Adam was before Adam messed up. He just wants us to worship. 
So the doctrine of incarnation is the only way that could happen. If God had not come, we would not be saved. Let me say it again. If God had not come down and put on flesh, became both God and man, deity and humanity in one, had he not accomplished that, did that, we would be forever doomed. Because man could not pay God back. Only God could pay God back. And that's why God sent his son to die, to pay, to, to become a ransom, a payment for those that slaves the sin. And again, if the incarnation did not happen, we, again, we would not be saved. So what all, what all did Jesus accomplish in his incarnation? Again, this doctrine is robust, so I'm going to say a few things uh, that I hope will excite you, man, to go and share to people who do not know or understand what is the greatest need. See, when, so, God, when, when Jesus, who was the Word of God, who was God, became flesh, one thing that he did, he destroyed the devil. Yeah. Now, 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 you remember in Genesis 3.15, when, 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 when Adam and Eve messed up, and he, he spoke to Adam. He spoke to Eve. He also spoke to Satan. In Genesis 3.15, he said, Satan, this, this is the seed that will come from a woman. You're going to abuse his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And by crushing his head, means that, that, that Jesus had to come to die. Look what it says here in Hebrews chapter 2, 14. Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, since the children of God have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these things. So that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death. That is the devil. Mm. That when Jesus died and got up from the grave, he crushed the head of Satan and took the keys of death and haze from him. Satan has no poor or no bite. God, God in dying crushed him. Listen, Jesus came with a death sentence. He was born with a death sentence. He was born to die. Strange thing. It is, it is it's an enemy, but, yeah, but for those who belong.
Come on now. Hey. 
to God and to make atonement for the sins of his people. Christ, again, put on flesh and blood so that he could understand that when we sin, he can extend mercy. He knows the plight and the fate that you have been both sinful and happy God. So, so Christ was fully man, fully God. We have got fully enough and sin allowed away. Huh. Our flesh, yeah. it does not go away. So here is the, here is the, here is the paradox of any Christian. You got all of God in you and all of you in you.
God put on flesh to die. He, he put on flesh to understand and also to give us mercy and, 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 to, and to be faithful. He went out to verse 18 to even help us when we're caught in the sin because he's only able to help because he did not sin. So when you are caught in a temptation because he did not sin, he can show you how to withstand sin. That's verse 18 of Hebrews 2. Uh, uh, 2 18. But also he came to give us eternal life. I came to die. I came so I could understand and extend grace and mercy. But that's only predicated on those who know me as Savior and Lord. Those who have received the gift of eternal life for me. Listen to just these, these few verses. And just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to, to whom he wants. 524. Truly I tell you, anyone who heard, who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life as a son and daughter of God. You never have to worry about being judged by God. Then let me say sure, as as done and done 10 as something being a good shepherd. Look at what it says. My sheep hear my voice. Oh yeah, here it is. And, and, and I know them and they follow me. Come on now. And I give them eternal life. You have to earn it. Yes. I'm gonna give it to you. Thank you, Lord. A life you, you never taste it. You never say, I'm going to give you this. It, it, it never ends. It's eternal. It never ends. It never stops. It's eternal. And I'm giving it to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Jesus. And because I'm giving it to you, you never have to worry about perishing. Come on now. Being a part for me. Never. Lord. He says, I'm going to give you this. I'm going to judge you. And one more thing. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Come on now. Yeah. So no one to the shout. Okay. <laughs> he said, I give you eternal life. No one, not even yourself, can walk out of my hand. I'm, right. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Is the unending 
abundant life with the Father found solely in the person of Jesus, made possible by the Holy Spirit to enjoy God both now and forever. And forever. Amen. You don't have to wait huh. later on. That's right. Have your best life. Thank you, Lord. You don't have to do anything to experience your best. He is your best life. Yes. And this stuff is now coming. Because we're in Christ and we're full of Christ. Heaven does not change because Christ is the same. Samaria. 
geographical. And it wasn't geographical, it was theological. Amen. It showed the heart of God. It was sociological, it was about saving and satisfying. It was doxological, that is about the glory of God. Theology, the heart of God. Soteriology, the salvation of God to satisfy me. And that side, that is all about the glory of God. God showed us in the Samaritan his heart, his purpose, and why God is the glory of Jesus. That Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman who had had five husbands and one and a half and what's my husband? And Christ, I have to go with her. Because she has a, an issue with lust or men, whatever it is. She's got five and everything. Back then, a woman could not divorce a man. So she had been rejected and given back by five different men. And got one in the house. That's not a husband. And Christ says, I got him. <laughs> I gotta leave her. Because he meets her while she's going to a well to take the well that had water. And Christ, he, he smooth, God. He smooth, he smooth. He said, Woman, you're going to keep coming back up to, uh, to this well because you want to keep getting thirsty. This is fresh water, but it's not living water. So you're going you're gonna to get. Thirsty again. He says in John chapter uh, uh, 4, for everyone who drinks from this water, he says, will get thirsty again. That's Jacob's will. But, but whoever drinks <laughs> from the water that I would give him yeah. would never get thirsty again. Hallelujah. What? What? He said, this living water that he, that he talks about, go over to John chapter 7, it's the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So this living water is God. So the water that the Son of God is offering the, the, the sinning the sinning Samaritan is God himself. God came down, ordained by God the Father. God the Son came down. In John chapter 4, he says, I have to come. Listen to me. The world is seeking a lot of things. The wise man in the Bible said this about your heart. Listen to this. This is going to get you. That God, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, has set eternity in your heart. So if you're trying to fill that with temporary stuff. It won't satisfy. 
that you call on Satisfy. You will get thirsty again. Getting married or remarried, it won't satisfy. You will get thirsty again. Changing your zip code, you, I promise you, you'll get thirsty again. If you change your man, change your woman, change your not, I promise you, you'll get thirsty again. Because he set himself in you. Only he can satisfy you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. He promises that if you dream of him, 
I say to you that it's a great time for the first time to come to the one who came for you. Just come to him. You don't have to get your life. You come to God everything. He's the one that has everything. What's bringing you to Jesus is your food. Nothing else. Yes. <laughs> 